Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to DBN News for 6-21-2019. The semi-daily news that even plants crave and anchors number one gaming news podcast. I'm Anthony, and I'll be your host today. With that being said, let's jump into that sweet news. First is from GameSpot and written by Steve Watts. Dark Souls creator explains how Elden Ring is the next step in the genre. From Software's new game, Elden Ring boasts a high-profile partnership with fantasy author George R.R. R. Martin, but it's shaping up to be more than a Souls game infused with Martin's lore. The transition to an open-world game and some of the world-building from Martin are making it into what Dark Souls creator Hidetaka Miyazaki feels is the next logical step for the genre he helped to create. With a larger world, new systems, and action mechanics inevitably become necessary, Miyazaki told IGN. In that sense, I think that Elden Ring is a more natural evolution of Dark Souls. For example, the protagonist of Elden Ring can travel the world on horseback and even fight enemies while mounted, Miyazaki says. This leads to more diverse combat situations rather than restricting players to combat within tightly confined spaces. The addition of horseback also means that spaces can be set further apart, including villages, but unlike many RPGs, these villages won't be safe havens full of NPCs and happy shopkeepers. Villages will be the dark dungeon-like ruins that you have to, uh, you have come to expect from us, Miyazaki said. Creating a more open game is a big challenge for us. If we were to add towns on top of that, it would become a bit too much. So we decided to create an open-world-style game focused on what we are best at. Miyazaki also says the division of labor with Martin has resulted in an interesting process developing the lore. Your character is created, and so the protagonist of the story has no fixed identity. Martin's work has been to lay the groundwork with the lore and history of the world, while Miyazaki's team has been developing the events within the time frame of the game. Both worked independently, but their work would impact each other. Storytelling in video games, at least the way we do it at From Software, comes with a lot of restrictions for the writer, he said. I didn't think it was a good idea to have Martin write within those restrictions. By having him write about a time the player isn't directly involved in, he is free to unleash his creativity in the way he, he likes. Furthermore, as From Software, we didn't want to create a more linear and story-driven experience for Elden Ring. Both issues could be solved by having Martin write about the world's history instead. This is awesome. Again, that next evolution that these From Software games are growing and becoming better and better. Second is from IGN, written by Tina Amini. Nintendo says it will not release a game before it's ready. As the development community continues to question practices that contribute to a normalized culture of crunch, many studios and individual developers have been reflecting on the conversation, trying to find ways to contribute to the solution. And Nintendo is no different. Crunch isn't necessarily an easy problem to identify or solve, and there are nuances to that problem based on the variations in studios, personal practices, or team structures. Ultimately, a lot of what contributes to crunch is the inherent nature of game development. It's hard to predict what will work, what will go wrong, and what will end up being the better direction as identified by creative leads. It's part of why games are delayed so often. And so for Nintendo, when asked about their perspective on crunch, it comes down to giving their creative teams the breathing room they need. The crunch point is an interesting one. Nintendo of America's president, Doug Bowser, told, told uh, IGN at E3. For us, one of our key tenets is that we bring smiles to people's faces, and we talk about that all the time. It's our vision, our mission, I should say. For us, that applies to our, our own employees. We need to make sure that our employees have good work-life balance. One of those examples is, we will not bring a game to market before it's ready. 
we t just talked about one example in Animal Crossing's delay. It's really important that we have that balance in our world. It's actually something we're proud of. This isn't the first time Nintendo has commented on Crunch and their strategy around it. Last year, Waypoint asked a series of publishers, including Nintendo, what they were doing to avoid Crunch. We flex for the use of contract employees. We flex in the way we work with our agency partners, Reggie, Phil's AIM told Waypoint. Our mentality is we are going to flex by adding headcount as appropriate to help us get over a Crunch. That's the way we approach it. Neither response is the most earth-shattering take, but it's indicative of the industry's increasing awareness and acknowledgement around the issue of crunch that big companies are thinking and hopefully talking about. To your point, the community obviously is passionate, is vocal, Bowser said, but we also need to make sure that as an industry, we're having those conversations. Uh, Nintendo seems that they've got a fixer crunch, but I mean, unless we actually hear anything from Nintendo employees that work for those developers that are making those games, we'll actually, I mean, we'll never know. But... We still have yet, I feel like, to get a Nintendo employee complaining about it, so maybe they're not lying. Hi, everyone. Anthony from Dad's Beards Nerds here. Do you want your ad read on our podcast? Well, guess what? It's your lucky day, because now we are offering sponsorships. Sponsorships cost 100 for a week or 200 for three, for three weeks. Your ad will be read over our week's worth of content, which includes DBN News, any reviews we might do, and the DBM Prime podcast. If this sounds like something you'd love to do and help support this podcast in another way, please hit us up. You can find us at dadsbeardsnerds at gmail.com, Instagram at dadsbeardsnerdspodcast, or Twitter at dadsbeardsnerds. We'd love to hear from you. Third is from IGN and written by Jesse Wade. Marvel's Avengers is Crystal Dynamics' largest game in history. In an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, studio head at Crystal Dynamics, Scott Amos, shared how much they have expanded for Marvel's Avengers following the Tomb Raider trilogy. From our side, it's the biggest thing that we've done or we've ever done, Amos said. We now have five studios working together to pull this off. Crystal Dynamics at Redwood Shores. We opened a new studio in Bellevue called Crystal Northwest. We have our partners in the Netherlands, Nixes, which ha has a big team of people who we've worked with for 20 years. Adios Montreal was our sister studio for all of Tomb Raider, so they're working on this. And even Square Enix Japan has folks from the tech group working with us. Amos detailed that they wanted to go beyond their previous boundaries with Marvel's Avengers, which is why they expanded to five studios for the game. With that came dozens of internal changes such as workflow and the entirety of the creation process. We've had to change how we work, how we are organized as a team, the number of people we need to do this, the number of external partners. We've had to go hire experts like Sean Iskeeg, who is our creative director. He told stories for Uncharted and The Last of Us at Naughty Dog. We needed him to help tell this story. Dave Fifield was a game director who worked at Halo and Call of Duty. We needed him to help us with multiplayer, Amos said. Amos explained they specifically looked for experts in their respective fields, such as God of War's Vince Napoli. Vince Napoli, he's our lead combat designer. He just did God of War. Come help us with the combat. <laughs> we cherry-picked the best of the best and said, let's put this together in a way for something bigger than we've ever done. Along with the five studios, Amos said the other largest factor for the game is Marvel themselves, saying the relationship is more of a partnership rather than a collaboration. They're embedded with us as a team. We talk to them daily. We send them everything we're working on, and we have builds. They play and get feedback. We bring them to the studio and go through it together, Amos said. This game sounds awesome. It sounds like it's shaping up to be something amazing. Let's just hope it is. Those character designs were a little oof, but, I mean, it's a standalone game, and I don't know. I, it's probably going to be great. I just can't wait to see it. And that is the news for today. 
Thank you for listening and let us know what you think about any of the stories we talked about by sending us a message on Anchor, the podcast app we use to record the show. If you'd like to support the podcast other than listening, please check out our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash dadsbeardsnerds, where you can donate to us via the support this podcast button and sign up for a monthly donation of 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 per month. Find us on Twitter at dadsbeardsnerds, Instagram at dadsbeardsnerdspodcast, or if you'd like to be part of our ever-growing Discord community, find that link in our Twitter bio. Until next time, I'm Anthony. I look forward to making more content for you.